Hi folks, welcome to the next edition of Serverless Crack with myself, Dave Anderson, um, author, contributor to Service Age, architect at GP. Hi everyone, Mark McCann, um, architect at GP and author and contributor to Serverless Age. Hey everyone, uh, Michael O'Reilly, um, architect with GP and contributor to Service Age. Hello. It's a Friday, we're all tired. Um, so we, we've been doing quite a lot of talking about worldly mapping, I think, throughout the book. Yeah. And it's it's a topic that always comes back and people always ask about it. Um, and it is, in fairness, it is it's a, a difficult thing to learn. Um, and we've spent many years thinking about it, stumbling around and then practicing. So we, we figured we would do a quick series of, of worldly mapping. And I think we're almost 10 years mapping now, give or take. Yeah. So it's probably worth kind of reflecting on, you know, what we think of the technique and, and, and how it goes. Like so like for me it's it's been an absolute game changer. I think the way it introduces you to thinking is second to none. It's far better than any other strategic technique that I've ever come across. And I tend to read quite a lot about things. Yeah. Um but I, I think what's what we can cover in this episode is how we use it today and, and some good tips to kind of get started if if you're new to it, because it is very daunting. When you see maps from someone like Simon Wardley on his Twitter, and it's like, wow, I can't even read that. <laughs> Never mind, draw it. Um, so, this question for 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 you guys: Do you still do you still value the technique, or do you still do you still thinking that way a lot? Yeah, absolutely, and that's um, it's a great way to bring sense to your thoughts and bring sense to some of the things that may be you know concerning you or troubling you. As, you know, once you start to um, start thinking about the you know, how would you map this out it starts to bring some clarity to your to your own thinking and i think now we've been doing it long enough now we, we we start to think about how things are interconnected and what the value chain looks like and how one component relates to another well you're almost doing it by instinct now in your head you're thinking about the the, the components and the value chain and the dependencies and how evolved they are so i think once you practice this technique you start to think about things in a different way and that's that's the best thing and i think you know we'll, we'll talk about this but it really helps facilitate good conversations with you know everybody it doesn't matter how senior you are or how, how you, you know familiar you are with mapping it allows you to have a better more um, richer conversation about the thing that you want to you know, discuss around yeah i i mean just just adding to that like <clears throat> uh I I find like triggers for when the map or you know they're they're quite interesting, um, like so if if there's decisions to be made or you know how do you prioritize certain things or you know how do you decide on what is the the next right thing to do and and you need to have conversations across people with multiple disciplines and um you know can be a really good facilitating technique to facilitate those conversations and to drive towards decisions and drive towards where you think focus should be or, you know, drive towards common understanding. Um, you know, so I, I always kind of find in when I find myself in those situations where those things need to be, you know, those sorts of conversations need to be had, there's always a good opportunity to introduce a, a mapping exercise. And I, I do that quite a bit. Um, also, I kind of feel like when you're in a new area or you're, you're, um, you want to kind of immerse yourself in how something hangs together. Um, I'm sure Dave, you're doing a lot of that at the minute in the, in the, in the new position, you know, where you, 
you want to understand a business or a tech stack or just an industry, it can be really handy and very, very quick thing to do just to come in and assemble um, a quick map with a bunch of people from with different perspectives who know the particular topic. Um, so yeah, I, I think in those scenarios it's been really useful. There's, there's nothing yeah. better than uh, putting out a, like a value chain of components and then presenting or collaborating with some of the domain experts and then them pointing out where it's wrong. That's yeah. what you want, right? It's like just the bias for action and getting something yeah. on, on, a, on a whiteboard or on a you know, a collaborative mirror or something, and then let the let the experts challenge you and, and say, hey, that's not over there. Oh, you forgot about this or you forgot about that. It's a great way to get, like you said, Mike, get understanding of a new area or a new domain that you may be working into. It's it's a it's a really an accelerator for understanding for, for new people coming in, right? Yeah. I think and I mean absolutely it really is like but I suppose for this it's it's probably a step back from it because I think one thing that's come along since um, is the Wardley Map and Canvas by uh, Ben Mosher. Um, he's at um, Hired Thought, and um, it's a really, it's a really nice kind of canvas that's got kind of six steps to how you map. And remember, the purpose of a map is to figure out who the user is, do a value chain, which which you know shows what the user need is and what that depends on. And then plot the evolution of those things from Genesis. The it's it's brand new. This is amazing. It's it's wonderful. We do, don't understand it. To custom, um, we think we can make this thing, but not quite sure. The product we need this, and it's really important to commodity. It's the price of doing business. Everyone has one, so mm-hmm. every component evolves from 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 left to right. But there's a really nice sequence of steps that Ben has put together, and this is open source. We'll we'll post the links to this. So I figured it might be useful to walk through this because it's the steps before the map make the map yeah. successful. So yeah. again, there's six steps here. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, no, totally. And I think the the, the purpose bit is always the most fascinating. So what are you trying to achieve? You know, like Mike said, what's the trigger for this? You know, what 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 purpose do you have? What 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 is the thing that you're trying to accomplish? You know, do you have a north star you're trying to align with, or just what, why is this group of people together? It could be even you know, why what what is this team doing? You know, what's the purpose yeah. of this tech stack? Having that initial conversation is such a rich thing, a rich conversation to have with teams, especially if they haven't been thinking about it and they've just been building and building and building. It's a really fascinating conversation starter with teams. And this and this is the first thing, because if a team are deep into something, the first thing you want to do is lift them back. Yeah. And really, I mean, without being cheeky, it's like why do you exist? Why does this project exist? What are you trying to achieve? And you'd be surprised the amount of teams have to stop and think about it and go, ah, good question. Like I thought it was clear a year ago, but things have were in the death march, so we're not quite sure anymore. So just getting a really crisp definition of what the purpose is. That's kind of the first step. And then the second step is scope. Um, what are we trying to map? Now, some people will try and map everything, but you want to try and narrow it as much as possible up front. Because uh, we talk about there's a temptation to map the world. You want to get that nice and narrow so you can stay focused on something. And sometimes yeah. the way of doing that is to decide what we're not going to map. Yeah. We're not going to worry about like a third party thing or or what a different team. We're going to focus just on on the current scope. Yeah. And can I just like a a quick point I would make on that is before I started using the canvas, 
I always used to find that maps could get very big and very quick and go off in 60 different directions. So yeah, um, just uh, just to shout out to you know Ben on this, it's been a real kind of lifesaver for keeping the maps fairly focused and you know yeah. um, fit for you know the the topic. So yeah. I, I can't yeah, I can't remember when this was canvas came out. It could have been about five years ago. But but we started mapping. We didn't have this canvas, and that was mm. the thing that always went wrong. We always just went too wide and confused ourselves. Yeah, map the world. Absolutely, I was always guilty of that. And like, go go deep, and then your maps would have like 50, 60 components, and it's like, and and then they would like let's just take a step back and group these ten together as one thing. And I think uh, you, you get better at naming things after after a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's. Go ahead, Mike. No, and I was I was just saying, even getting on to the next two as well. You know, like yeah. um, you know, with well, the... so, yeah. So that's the first two. Like, purpose and scope are the first two, and then the third one's users. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, and same sort of thing, you know. Like so, um, in relation to this particular kind of topic, who are the the main users in in the loop? You know, who who's actually part of this 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 flow? Um, and again, it's again it narrows the the scope. You know, it narrows the you know what we're we're trying to capture. Um, so again, it's a it's a very good exercise sometimes because a lot of people don't know. <laughs> who the users are sometimes you know and this this is a pure design this is a pure design thinking thing and it's i always think it's a bit um it's blatant the your first question for project to say who's your user but the fact that it's step three and you should probably have one user be Mm -hmm. very clear who that is even if you give that person a name or a role be quite specific you know um did you be surprised about the teams that the answer is we don't really know (laughs) yes uncovers a whole other uh, rich area so that's the third step the fourth one is user needs because once you figure out who the user is right what are their needs what and it's not what are their wants what are their needs what what do they need in the scope and it's usually only like two or three things yeah and again like like with the users it's good to zero in on those core needs right there may be adjacent stuff that you other users may want but it's really good to have that conversation about what are the needs of your core users and focus yeah. on those right because the yeah. thing there's lots of peripheral stuff that, that isn't really a factor in what the team's delivering mm-hmm. or what you're trying to accomplish and i always think when you're going through these first couple of steps is keep it simple i mean you might say well there's two or three users just pick one get you going well this user has six or seven needs just pick two or three just to yeah. get you going yeah. and you can always add more later it's just it's important to move through these because if you get stuck in one, you'll stay there for a long time. Yeah. And then the fifth one is value chain. So this is where it starts getting interesting. With, with fingers crossed, you've got a single user with a single need. And then that need, it could be like, I don't know, um, a driver of a car. Their need is a car. And then that car depends on something. This is where you can do a value chain. So you've got a, a user with a need and then that need, that has got dependencies so that's where the value chain it's not a value stream it's a value chain so like a car may depend on i don't know a manufacturer on you know on petrol whatever else like there'll be a couple of things and again that's one thing to keep simple yeah i always find this is definitely the it can be difficult sometimes to keep those things fairly abstract or you know, or not go too deep in it, you know, so I think it is good to try and go as abstract as possible and keep them as high level as, as possible, even just to start with, you know, um, just to get something done. And a good, 
a good a, a, a thing I always remind people at this point is this is not a formal notation. We're not like we're not doing a diagram here or like a model. It's okay mm. to be fairly generic. What you're doing is you're driving conversation. What mm. are the most important yeah. needs and, and, and dependencies in that value chain? It's not everything. It's okay to leave a couple out. Aye. Then, so once you have that value chain of a user, a need, and a couple of dependencies, that's when you then bring that across to the map. And I would usually just put them in the middle of the map. Just drop them all in the in the product just to, just to get you started. So you've got them all in a vertical line down your mapping canvas. And that's when you start thinking, you, you take your, I usually put the user in product at the top. Then you look at the need. You think, right, is that need in product? Is it custom, Genesis? And you move that from left to right. And then you start moving the, the different components from left to right. You might work out that one of the dependencies is like commodity. And then one of those custom. And you can just see how that interaction is. And then that's when you start to add in maybe um, more dependencies because you have a bit more room in the map. Yeah, and, th and this is where the conversation really starts to kick into gear, right? And this is where people start to challenge each other's context and each other's thinking about where that component belongs and what's missing from the map. So it makes it very collaborative exercise. And what we always say is try not to do this on your own. Try to do it with you know, a few people who might be know the domain or know the context. Because then you can get into a collaborative challenge where you can challenge the maps and the components on the map and the elements on the map, but you're not challenging Dave or Mike. You're challenging, I think this should go here. What do you think? Oh, that's a better word to the left, a better word to the right. Oh, why do you think that? And you, there'd be some hidden context that's revealed by that conversation. There'd be something that, oh, you forgot about this thing. And they'd be like, oh, okay, now I understand where you're coming from. And that's where the richness and the value really starts to surface. Of, and know. I think, and this is the part, if you're ever facilitating a mapping session, you need to be a good facilitator. If you sit and go, I think that's the wrong place. You don't want to say, no, you're wrong. It's in the right place. You want to say, oh, why do you think that? And mm -hmm. let the individual explain, well, I think so-and-so. And there's there's always richness when a person has something. And usually if it is something that is a blatantly wrong statement, they go, oh, no, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. But no, thanks for thanks for raising the challenge. That's good. So I'd be quite welcoming for any input. The last thing you want is a, is a sort of an unsafe environment where nobody wants to speak. Um, and then that's the beauty of mapping, because then you get into that conversation, as you say, like. And that, that, that in essence, is your, your first sort of map. That's, that's, that's the basic 101 of, of mapping, really. I would, I would just add is, you know, at the end of it, it's always good to try and do your point, Dave, you know, as a facilitator, you want people, ideally, if it's, it's a really good session, sometimes you can derive some outcomes, yeah. you know, and yes. you, would, you would capture those as notes or, you know, next steps or, you know, so you, ideally you want to get to an outcome, you know? Um, yeah. And it doesn't need to be too fancy, you know, you might decide we'll map for an hour. And then if you're facilitating like five minutes or 10 minutes off the hour, yeah. or maybe you're just taking a couple of notes. Somebody says, oh, yeah, we should move that from X to Y. That's an observation. You know, mm -hmm. you're not committing to do it, like, but just list out a few observations. Yeah. You can think, right, you kind of got good outcomes. And that, that's um, one where you add a little annotation or note to each of the elements or things that are surfacing is important. And like you said, just have a few notes to say, you know, why have we custom built our own database? That's something we should probably tackle, right? Uh, maybe yeah. maybe there's an evolutionary step we can move that across to more of a commodity database offering. That's usually the good, that's a good example of something that you might say, hey, we want to evolve this. Now we're not going to get into it now, but 
then once you have your initial map that you can talk about how do you want that to evolve how do you want where, where do you think this should go for to meeting the needs of the users into the future and then you can have a conversation about well, what's stopping us from evolving so in the database example if you have a database that you're dependent on that's in custom build you might say well we want to evolve that to be much more of a commodity what's stopping us doing that so you can then mm -hmm. identify well Maybe we don't have the skill set. Maybe we don't have the underlying client capabilities or tech stack or whatever. You can start to have notes around what's stopping you from evolving. What are the inertia barriers for that? But I think that's something that you, you would get to in your next session. I'd say always just keep, keep it simple. So a um, couple of really good links. Uh, again, we talked about Ben Mosier, who's um, at Hired Thought. He's got a brilliant site called learnwardlymapping.com. Was Ben created the that Wardly mapping canvas, which is on uh, Creative Commons and open source. Um, Simon's also got a couple of links. Uh, there's a there's a site on on uh, GitHub called Awesome Wardly Maps. Uh, I think it was John Grant created it. It's, it's at um, list.wardlymaps.com. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And um, Simon has his own book, his original book on Medium.com/slash/wardlymaps. Again, Simon is brilliant class, but they're complicated. So if you read one of his articles, you don't understand it. Don't beat yourself up. Um, it's 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 great content, but it's very deep. Um, so that's the crack. Well, I think we'll continue this V series and we'll we'll get into a few other things as we go. Um, please keep an eye on the Twitter at um, Serverless Edge and on YouTube and at the blog at theserverlessedge.com. Thanks very much. Bye, everybody.